I have a bumper sticker here this morning. I think you might like. It says, today is National Atheist Day. <laughs> April Fool Day. And underneath it, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, Psalm 14.1. I keep this in my office. I'm going to show you a picture. Remember last Sunday I showed you a picture? I'm doing these things right now before we rebound. <laughs> On purpose. Um, I showed you a, a picture last Sunday that I thought was uh, that you would, you would like. Remember, it was the little girl running to her father that was on the tarmac, the soldier. Well, this isn't that kind of picture. It just grabbed me. It might grab you, and then you might want to grab me. <laughs> Here's the picture. Irrefutable proof that a good woman can bring balance and stability to your life. <laughs> See the tire missing? I was going to say that till Mother's Day, but I couldn't wait. <laughs> All right. Now, we'll prepare ourselves for the study of God's Word. You all know our standard operating procedure, which is moment of silent prayer, the option to name properly to God the Father any unconfessed sins that ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our God and that everything depends on who and what you are. And we are in constant contact with your grace. We pray that you will give us the good sense to, to exploit that grace, that you will help us to grow in grace and knowledge, that you'll help us to concentrate this morning, that any distractions will be removed so that your mighty word may penetrate and make a difference in our life. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Before we get to our subject matter, which is logistical grace, I thought I'd say a few words about the big mega lottery. Now, I don't care if you bought a ticket. I don't care if you bought two tickets. But I am a little bit concerned if you're like some of the other people that spent hours in lines that were blocks long in order to buy a ticket or some ticket. I, I, there's a lot about it I don't understand. When the lottery was at $500 million, people weren't interested. Then you add another $100 million and they all go bonkers. I mean, like $500 million wasn't enough. Six hundred million, well, I'm in. I don't understand that. 
I don't understand why people would stand in line. And I saw on TV, these lines would go for blocks to pay to get a chance. Now, you can hardly call it a chance. They said that the chance of winning was 1 in 176 million. I don't like those odds. And they would stand in line out in the sun. I saw them in Las Vegas uh, on TV for hours to, to, to buy a lottery ticket. I think there was three winners, and they got a measly 200 and something million. I wonder about these people. These people, especially the ones who waited in line, I really doubt that they had an eternal sense of destiny. Now, maybe some of them did. I have no way of knowing, but it seems like the motivation behind that is to try to have security. I mean, if you have $200 million, then you should have at least financial security. And yet, you know what they say? They say that the average is five years for lottery winners and it's all gone. Five years. And I suspect that these people, I don't know if they've ever heard it or not, but they can have a security that is worth more than $640 or whatever it is for free. And you don't have to stand in line for it. I'm just wondering about these people. And uh, if you bought a lottery ticket, it's okay. I don't know how if you did. If that's your thing, and you just, it, I think some people get caught up in the hype, and that's another thing about the lottery. It showed the hype that the media can get people stirred up and get them to moving on something that, oh, everybody is getting involved. It's 640 million now. Well, I better get a babysitter for my kids so I can get out and buy some tickets. Well, I just don't understand that. I started to say this before we rebounded. (laughs) I thought maybe I ought to include that as well. Well, what we're studying today kind of leads into this. Uh, You don't need a lottery in order to be content. You don't need a lottery in order to not worry about the things that we all need. Because God provides that to you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We were in Joshua chapter 11 and Joshua mentioned rest from his enemies and that prompted me to go to Hebrews chapter 4 where there's another kind of rest that God offers to his believers. You get there by using what we call faith rest. Now, what that does is essentially uh, calm your nerves. When we talk about faith rest, we're talking about the circumstances in life that challenge us, that we get anxious about, we're prone to worry about such things. And we went into faith rest for a while. And as this is going forward we found out that the first thing you do is claim a promise. 
the promises are designed to give stability in your soul. Because once fear grips you, you it, usually you're, it, you don't see it coming. Boom. All of a sudden, you're in panic mode. What is a believer to do? What is the concrete things he can do? Well, the first thing he can do is start thinking of God's promises. One of God's promises happens to be our verse of the month for March. And because it slipped through the cracks, it's still the verse this morning because we don't have a new one for April the 1st. Maybe that's a good thing anyway. Anyhow, uh, our verse is Isaiah 41.10. If you'd like to say that with me, you're welcome to do it. You remember it. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, that's one of the verses that stabilizes the soul. God tells, you know, just that first part it gives a calming effect to me. And I've used it I don't know how many times. Fear not, for I am with you. There's never a time, there's never a place where God isn't with you. He knows what you're thinking. He says, I am your God. I am in control. I've got this covered. So that's one of the many. So the faith rest, you can call it a technique. You can call it something that you employ in certain times of uh, adversity. It's the verses that will calm you down. The second thing that we did was we went to the essence box. When you are thinking about God's characteristics, His essence, His attributes, it has a calming effect on you because you recognize not only is He in charge, but He is perfect in every one of His attributes and they all harmonize. He loves you. He's full of justice and righteousness. And he's got perfect veracity. That means it's impossible for God to lie. And it means that he's omnipotent. You know, what if, what if we had a God that was, um, he, he, he knew what was going on, which he always does because of his omniscience, but he just couldn't hardly have enough power to get the job done. And when we start thinking of that, And when you're concentrating on God's essence, He gets bigger and the problem gets smaller. And that's what we want. Now, there's another thing that we can concentrate on that also helps us to continue to have rest in our soul. That's what the faith rest is. It's the rest in your soul that takes the stress and the static of life and just calms it down. I just thought about this Uh, our house is 33 years old. And Carrie and I built it. And it's still standing. Anyway, uh, the phone line is 33 years old. And when we talk on the phone, it sounds like... <laughs> like this. The whole time we're trying to hear through that. So Carrie suggested maybe I could put a new phone line in. So I did. And now, so clear. And you know what it did? Not only did it cut down in the static and the stress in the line, cut down on at least my static and stress in my soul when you're trying to hear someone, pushing the phone nearly into your ear, trying to thinking that's going to be clearer. Anyway, that's what faith rest does. It gets rid of the static and the annoying 
worry that seems to be ever-present. So, it is the essence, what we call the essence box. After we've calmed down with, with, with the promises, then we start thinking about God's essence. And currently, we're, we're studying logistical grace. Logistical grace means that God has you covered. He is your parent. And He's going to provide everything you need in order for you to fulfill His plan. And it doesn't depend upon you. It depends upon Him. Now, is that good news? You know, a lot of people don't realize that uh, there's good news after the gospel. People hear the gospel and they understand that's good news. But after that, a lot of people think, well, you're on your own now. And there's really nothing for you to do but try to be as moral as you can and all this kind of baloney. Um, actually, it's only, it only gets better and better. And we're going to go to one more. These are called rationales, modes of thinking. We're going to go to one more. Then I'm going to give you a snapshot of it today. Just enough to see if you can face the rest. Because <laughs> when you see this snapshot, you might want to panic or get worried. You'll see what I'm talking about when we get there. Okay, let's get to cracking on the... Oops, that's the wrong one. Let's get cracking on the... Logistical grace. And I'm going to put this on the board for everybody to see. And we'll quickly review some of the things we went over the last time. Logistics is the science of the movement, supplying, and maintenance of military forces in the field. Let's just cut to the chase. God is going to provide all the logistics, all the things that you need. And as we go through this today, towards, uh, more towards the end, we're going to show, I'm going to show you the temporal and the spiritual assets that God gives us. The things that we need in order to function and fulfill His plan. But he's, He takes care of it. This includes divine planning, divine support, divine provision, and divine blessing for the execution of God's plan for every member of the royal family. Now, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are royalty and you're in His family. The reason you are royalty is because you are permanently, intimately united to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and you don't get higher royalty than that. And this came about because of something that the Bible mentions that takes place when you believe in Christ, which is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism in the Bible really means identification. So the moment that you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit took you and permanently and intimately identified you with Jesus Christ. Now, if He's royalty and you're permanently and intimately identified with Him, what are you? You're royalty. So you are royal family. So God is going to take care of His family. He's going to provide everything necessary. That's what we're talking about. This includes divine planning, divine support, divine provision, and divine blessing for the execution of God's plan for every member of the royal family. There's a lot of royal family that's not here. Now, that could be the whole church with regards to the uh, collective body of Christ. And it includes all of them. There are believers that accepted the gospel... And yet after that, they didn't care anything about growing in grace and knowledge. They don't care anything about reading the Bible, learning the Bible. 
Do they still have logistical grace? Well, the question, let's answer that question with a question. Well, are they still part of God's royal family? Yes. You don't get kicked out of God's royal family when you don't act like royalty. And that's good news. I didn't say you didn't get discipline, but you don't get kicked out. So logistical grace is for every believer. Now, some people might say, well, is that really fair? We're going to get to fairness in a minute with regards to equality. Um, The world promises equality and does not deliver. God promises equality, and He does deliver, as you'll see soon. Um, I'm just going to fly by some of this. Um, Here's one of the main points. If you see at the top, uh, number two, logistical support depends upon who and what God is, not who and what we are. So if the, the bill is due, you don't have the money, and you're, you're, you're counting your pennies and quarters and nickels and dimes in order to go to the grocery store, you can still continue to realize that his support depends upon him, not you. Now, I have to hasten to say this. This doesn't mean that you can sit on a park bench and be bombed by pigeons. Some of you got that. Uh, doesn't mean you can sit on your front porch and put your, your feet up on a, on a railing or something and wait for uh, God's logistical grace check to be delivered. It's not the way it works. We are still required to do what we are supposed to do, and that is to uh, provide, especially you husbands, to provide for our family. And we'll do everything that we can in order to do that. But we're not to worry about it. A lot of people aren't, uh, they don't have jobs. They're losing their houses all across the country. And I haven't seen anything anywhere on the news where someone has actually starved to death because they didn't have rent to pay. They couldn't make their house payment and they were put out and they didn't have a job. These things happen. The the Bible says that you're always going to have the poor with you. Well, let me, I'm not going to elaborate on this, but I'm just going to make this point. I hope it's strong for you. It is the family's responsibility. It is the church's responsibility to take care of those needs, not the government. One reason we're in the shape we are today is because the Government is replacing the church in not only that area, in so many areas. So this is one way that God takes care of those who fall between the cracks. So it always depends upon God and not on us with regards to, well, we're not omnipotent, and He is. Here's a few verses that we looked at. We're not to... Hit the panic button and go bonkers when we hit adversity. Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, all the logistical support that you need, shall be added unto you. Romans 3, 21 and 22, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. 
for there is no distinction. I cannot overemphasize the importance of God's righteousness being imputed to us, each of us individually at the moment of salvation. We have it. And we, when you believed in Jesus Christ, I doubt that you recognized that that took place. You also had eternal life and many other things imputed to you. You didn't feel it. You learned later on, if you've been here for a while, you've learned, well, righteousness was imputed. It means that you don't have to stand on your own righteousness for God to support you. He supports you because He has your righteousness. Excuse me. You have His righteousness. Philippians 3.9 And may be found in Him not having a righteousness by my own, derived from my, by the law. In other words, you cannot... You cannot Derive a righteousness from your own acts. There's no way to do it. But that which is through faith, the righteousness which comes through faith, which comes from God on the basis of faith. So the only way to get God's righteousness, which we all have to have, is simply through believing in Jesus Christ. Now that, that kind of begs a question here. How can God impute His righteousness to us when we believe in Christ without compromising his essence. I mean, he just gives it to us based on what? Well, that's what that uh, plan of God rationale has to do with. And I'm going to show you a shot of it in just a minute. We don't have time to go into it. It's made up of seven imputations. And that's the third rationale. That's the third mode of thinking that you can go to when you're under the gun to think about our God and what he has planned for you and how you can move right to the very end of where He wants, wants you to be. He's given you that ability. And, of course, the reason is because He has imputed His righteousness to us. So He doesn't bless us based on how righteous we are. It's not the more righteous you are, the more blessings you're going to get. The reason that you get any blessings, the reason that you even get logistical grace is because you have His righteousness and He does not compromise His perfect essence in order to give you that. The reason, the short version, is because Christ died on the cross for our sins, which means now we fall under grace. More than that in a moment. We also have uh, been justified. Look at this, verse Romans 4, 5. Don't look at your... Don't look at, let me get this off the board. I want you looking at it. Romans 4, 5. Say it with me. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And there's not many people talking. Wow. Now let's say it again. But to the one who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Now, if you have to say that a thousand more times, it's worth it to know it because people are working to be righteousness, to have enough righteousness to be accepted by God. And this verse puts a wooden stake through the heart of the works righteousness for salvation idea 
We also have Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith just because we believe in Jesus Christ. Well, how does that work? How can God not compromise His essence on that? The reason is because when we believe in Jesus Christ, God imputes to us, He gives us His own righteousness, then the justice of God looks at us, and what He sees is what? His own righteousness. So He says, okay, justify. We're not justified for anything that we do. We're justified because of what He's done for us. Do you see the the, the solid thread of grace that goes through everything in God's plan? Aren't you glad that God is gracious in this way? Now, the reason that uh, He can justify us is because we have His righteousness. Three things happen when we, are, uh, when we have God's imputed righteousness. First of all, we're pronounced justified. Second of all, uh, God's impersonal love, which He has for everybody, is changed to personal love. God can only love personally that which is perfect. And He can love us personally because we have something that is perfect, which is what? His righteousness. Good. Okay. And third of all, we get logistical grace, and we all need logistical grace for sure. Uh, <clears throat> God cannot accept or bless anything less than perfect righteousness as the object of divine blessing, man's righteousness is totally unacceptable. Now, this is another good news point for you. How many people are out there doing things that are distasteful to them, that they really rather not do? It goes against their grain, but they're doing it because they're thinking that God is going to see that and notice the effort they put into it, and He's going to bless them for it. Is that how God operates? No. I just said that God blesses and accepts us only because we have his own perfect righteousness. That's why he's able to give everyone logistical grace that's a believer because all believers have his own righteousness. And then we have Isaiah 64, 6, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are as a filthy garment. The best that you have to offer with God, he goes, whew, like this. <laughs> You know what just flashed in my mind? Do you remember uh, Mr. Mom, the movie? Isn't that, wasn't that the name of it? Do you remember when he was at home taking care of the baby and he got, has to go in and change the diaper? And he has safety glasses on, he has this mask on, he has tongs. And he goes into the room like this and he comes back out and he goes, man, he goes back in. That's what God thinks of our best righteousness that we have to offer. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done, but according to His mercy. <clears throat> now, let's just skip down to number 4. Therefore, a grace pipeline, since we have His righteousness and we're justified, a grace pipeline is established between the two attributes of divine holiness or in... in uh, which is his integrity that excludes all human works. Now, I'm going to go to the grace pipeline, which we saw last Sunday. Give you another shot of it here. I don't have that up there. Y'all seeing it over there, I bet you. You are? Okay. 
And let's see if I can get this going here. Okay, <coughs> here's the grace pipeline. Because you have God's, <coughs> excuse me, His righteousness down here imputed to what? Every believer, here are verses that say that you have God's own righteousness. Every believer has it. Here's God's justice. What the justice of what the uh, righteousness of God demands, the justice of God carries out. So if you have God's righteousness, then it demands blessing, and the justice of God carries that out based on your righteousness here. And that includes blessings and logistical grace flows through this pipeline. You receive blessings and logistical grace because you have God's righteousness. Now this means that personality, some of you have a really good personality, and you might think, well, God accepts me because... Everybody likes me. Not so. I mean, not so that that's the reason that God uh, does not bless, I mean, blesses you. It's not because of your personality. And if you think that everybody likes you, you're pretty deceived anyway. <laughs> Talent. A lot of you can do great things. Very talented. Can sing. Can, uh, some of you are writers. And some of you have all these talents. God is not impressed with your talent. He gave you your talent, but he's not impressed with it. He doesn't bless you because of it. Uh, tithing. Uh, tithing is actually a, kind of like an income tax sort. No, I don't want to say that. Not income. It just was a tax for everyone in the Old Testament. Uh, I don't want to get too far into it. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 gives the mode for, uh, for giving for the church-age believer, and that is to... Give as you are able, as, as you are motivated. Uh, social action. Some of you get socially involved. Some, it doesn't make any difference to God. I don't know why this is here again. I, it just was in here, tithing again, and I just go with it. Uh, Self-righteousness. Sometimes we're very impressed with things that we do. But God isn't. He's only impressed what He can do through you, not with what you come in, come up with on your own. Remember when... Um, Cain and Abel uh, brought the uh, sacrament that was going to be an offering, and uh, uh, Cain brought what he brought, bring vegetables. He was very proud of his vegetables. I mean, they probably would be on the cover of uh, Garden Weekly or whatever. Great looking vegetables. But God said, No. He was very self righteous about it. He says, yeah, that's great vegetables, but you've got to do it my way. It has to be a blood sacrifice. So self-righteousness doesn't penetrate. Morality, oh, this is a big one here. <clears throat> there are people who are very taken with themselves because of how moral they are. And what they are are usually big, pompous, self-righteous blowhards. Morality. Now, we... Even unbelievers can be moral. It's not going to penetrate this pipeline. Witnessing, we're art of witness, but that doesn't give you points with God. You can't say, okay, I, I want to get that raise, or I want to go on that trip to Hawaii. I'm going to go out and I'm going to witness. What happened? I heard something fall. Well, anyway, uh, they're not going to get points with God, and he's going to say, okay, since you witnessed to all these people, then... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you go to Hawaii. You can't make deals with God. Isn't that great? I, God doesn't make deals with us. He blesses us and gives us logistical support based on who and what He is. Prayer. 
You can now prayer is an integral part. We should pray and get into uh, support those who are our friends and loved ones and all types of people, and for ourselves, for the needs. We, we are to pray for these things. But we are to faith rest and depend upon God to provide them for us, not pray, uh, God, I pray that you'll help me get that raise. And then you go in and you step on everybody's back and you, can, you connive and you manipulate to try to get that job. That's not how it's supposed to work. Uh, giving, uh, we already covered giving kind of over here. Service, we are to serve. The more you, ser- you know what? The more you serve, the more you're blessed. But it's because it's that's the way God designed it. People that are looking for happiness and they're trying to find it by satisfying themselves will never find it. Happiness comes in serving others, putting others before yourself. That's where true happiness is. But even if you're doing that, you're serving. Uh, it doesn't penetrate sincerity. Uh, you really want to be blessed by God, and you're really trying hard to do it. That's very sincere, but it's sincerely wrong. It's not going to penetrate this pipeline. And then you got emotionalism. You I want all this, and it bounces off. So this is our security here. God blesses sinful man without compromising his perfect justice and righteousness because of this pipeline. Furthermore, we are not blessed because of what we do, but because what God has already done for us. Are y'all on board with this? You got this. So you think you're ready for the big time? Is that right? Huh? Yeah. All right. I wasn't going to give you this plan, and I, I don't have time to do it today by any means. But I'm going to give you a shot of this plan of God that comes in seven imputations that is, again, a way that you can settle your nerves and recognize that God is on your side. And it kind of gives you an idea, where are you in that plan? Oh, wrong button. Got to hit this button. There it is. That's the whole enchilada right there. You got, oh, that's the wrong thing here. X plus Y plus Z. Oh. Imputation at physical birth, imputations at spiritual birth, imputation for eternity. I've got to work on this a little more, but that's it. And you'll get this in the next, I think, what is next, next time is, uh, I'm going to get this off the board. I want to hurt your eyes. Um, it won't go off. Oh, I got it upside down. There. <laughs> okay, now we're going to have a quiz on the seven imputations of God. I just, but it's really a, a, a neat thing. Do you know when I, uh, the Pastor R.B. Theme Jr. was my mentor, and he was a pastor at Baraka Church. And the first time I went there, I'll just give you a very short version, because I was told it was my first blind date with Carrie, by the way, was going to church. Because I asked her, every, when I was asking her out, and every day she said she went to church. I said, when do you not go to church? She said, on Saturday night. And this was on a Monday. I didn't want to wait till Saturday. So I said, I guess I'll have to take you to church. I went to church. She said, don't look at me. Don't talk. Don't move your head. Don't blink. Don't do anything. So I said, okay. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking. And he's talking about a fortiori. And I'm thinking, 
I wanted, I didn't know if it was legal to write down a little list here of words I didn't know. So I just had to keep that one in my head. And he was teaching what he called X plus Y plus Z. And it was this formula, only I take this formula and I've kind of tweaked it to make it a more visually, uh, at least it's more visually pleasing to me. And it was a formula, you know, like you, have you ever seen these guys on the blackboards and they have all this uh, nuclear fission formulas and everything? That's what it looked like at first. My first time going and I'm, boom, he's talking off RDR and he throws this on the board. And I'm looking at that. And, of course, Carrie's thinking, oh, first time he comes, why does he have to be teaching X plus Y plus Z? He'll never come back. She told me this later. I loved it. And you know why? Because I had gone to a denominational church for so long and there's so many generalities well, you got to love God and call on God and accept God and be good and uh, just on and on. And I, there was nothing I could get my mind around, and this was something solid. It was mechanics. It's something I could actually do. Not some ethereal, uh, put your hand in the nail-scarred hands and you'll be all right. So when I saw this, I saw that there was really structure. There was really a, a, a foundation that I could build on spiritually. I didn't even know such a thing existed. And that's what I'm trying to do for y'all right now with regards to this logistical grace. It's for you to understand, I cannot and nor can anyone protect you from the adversities that are coming your way. They're on their way right now. They just hadn't got here yet. And God doesn't want us to fall to pieces. He's given us the essence box to think of. He's given us all those promises, and He's given us this logistical grace support. He's saying, look, I'm your Father. I will not let you down. I will give you the things that you need in order to please me and fulfill my plan. You have my word on it. I don't know about you, but that just kind of makes me go from like like this to, ah, okay. All right, I said we weren't going to linger here. I'll get back. Oh, this. All right, we're going to speed along here because we haven't, I thought I was going to get through logistical grace support today. I just, I'm not even through, uh, well, now. Okay, now I'm through reviewing. Now we're going to get to where, where I wanted to get this today. And I got here, but I don't have long. So, uh, point number five is, since every believer receives the imputation of God's righteousness when he or she believes in Christ, and since that is the target for blessing and logistical grace support, every believer has equal privilege and equal opportunity to execute God's plan and glorify God. Every believer does. You can, uh, let's see, is this my next? Yeah, well, God can provide equal opportunity for every believer to reach spiritual maturity and receive super grace blessings in time and eternity 
because of the grace pipeline. Because you have God's righteousness and because the justice of God imputes logistical grace support and blessings to that righteousness in you, it means that, and, and every believer has that, it means everybody has equal opportunity to go as far as, listen to this, your positive volition will take you. Here's a few practical ramifications of that. The only limitation in the spiritual realm is the believer's own negative volition. No believer can legitimately blame God for failing to supply all that was necessary to take him all the way to spiritual maturity and super grace. In other words, how far spiritually do you want to go? And that is answered by you. How far do you want to go? You can exploit God's grace. As, well, nobody can fully exploit it. But if, you, if you're into competition, maybe I should not mention this, but I already did, so I'll have to finish it. If you're a competitive person and you want to out-spiritualize everyone else, do you know what you need? More positive volition. You need to exploit God's grace. And, of course, what, what, what is the big item in that? Well, if I could go to that plan of God where I show the seven imputations, there's a common denominator. Each one of these sets of, of, of uh, imputations, as an unbeliever, as a believer, and as a mature believer, they all have one thing in common. They all set up a potential for something that is great, but that potential is never recognized unless something exists. Maybe I should say two things exist. One of them is your positive volition, and the second one is what we call Bible doctrine. You cannot advance in God's plan as a person that is spiritually ignorant. And there's not many churches that are teaching these mechanics. If you don't believe it, go to your friends that go to uh, churches that are probably not a Bible church. Go to your friends that are in denominational churches and ask them, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And look at their eyes. They'll, I don't know, maybe they can fake it, but most of them look like a deer in the headlights. They'll, because they associate... Anything that's a baptism with water. They don't know the difference between real and ritual baptisms. They don't know that this is mechanic that separates us apart. It separates us apart from every other dispensation. Prior to this time, all dispensations prior to this time, what? No baptism of the Holy Spirit. After this dispensation is done and Christ comes back and takes us to glory, what happens then? No more. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's only for us. That's why we are only the only ones that are royal family. And royalty has privileges that no one else has. But you can't execute these things. You can't grow if you don't have mechanics. And I'm giving you mechanics. And if you want to hear Bible stories, and you, if you're turned on by someone saying, you need to put your hand in the nail-starred hand, brother, then you're at the wrong church. This is a schoolhouse. I am teaching you mechanics 
on how to execute God's plan. And the result of you executing that plan is beyond your wildest dreams. Not only in time, but for all eternity. You're going to be thinking, wow. See, everybody thinks that when I'm talking about equal opportunity, that God enables everyone to go as far as their positive volition will take them. They think that heaven is going to be equal also. Oh, not so. Not in any way. I don't want any limitations when I get to heaven. Do you? I don't want to go to the raw golf course, heavenly golf course, and they say, well, uh, let me see your pass. Oh, well, you are a dumb butt believer on earth. And this is only for the mature, only for, listen to this, the Jushurin believers. Oh, sorry. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm not that, not that good at golf, but maybe in heaven I can actually play under 100 <laughs> the first night. <laughs> Total provision for both temporal and spiritual needs are provided through logistical grace. Okay, here's the temporal needs. Food, water, and air. We're earth-dwelling people. We need these things, right? Clothing, housing, transportation, time. We need time. Can you add a few more hours to your day? This isn't a quick, a quick, <laughs> a trick question. Y'all, what should I say? No, we can't. We can't add hours to the day. God gives us a day at a time. And He gives us that day. We don't earn or deserve. We have this day because it's okay, I'm going to give them another day today. So we need time. We need health. We need money. We need parents or guardians. And we need education. These are basic things that we need. And it should be our parents and our guardians who are our main educators, by the way. These are some of the temporal things. Maybe you can think of a few more, but these are the ones I came up with. But we also have our spiritual needs provided. That means we, we have to have a human spirit. Can you conjure up a human spirit? Conjure. How does one conjure? I don't know. Get out the candles and get the Ouija board and get, the, get it dark and get some music and, you know, no matter what, you, well, you're going to conjure up some spirits, but it's not going to be the human spirit that only God can give. We've got to have a spirit that we can relate to God with. The indwelling, filling, sealing, teaching, and guardian ministries of the Holy Spirit. The Bible, a local church, spiritual gifts, including male believers with the gift of pastor-teacher. You need all of these things in order to fulfill God's plan in your life. And guess what? Every believer has all of these. Whether he takes advantage of, of, of it or not is up to him. Okay, let's get into some scriptures real, real quickly. How y'all doing, y'all? Y'all still got a few brain cells to fill? Okay. Deuteronomy 33, 26 through 27. There is none likened to the God of what? Jeshurun. Are you Jeshurun? 
Are you sure you're sure? Deshur in here essentially means the mature believer. He is the God of the Shuren who rideth upon the heaven to help and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge and underneath us are the everlasting arms. Now you need to write this. I want you to write this verse somewhere where you can get to it and you take it out next time you're on an airplane. I'm serious. I have given this verse to people who said they are uh, they're, they're normally not afraid, but what, when they get on the airplane, they bite their fingernails down the second knuckle. This one right here. Look at this. I love this verse. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven to thy help. When you're in an airplane, have you ever been in an airplane and hit an air pocket and just whoo? It's like being in an elevator that just bottom falls down. What was that verse in Delta <laughs> 1? 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Who does this apply to? It applies to every believer. The sufficiency is not qualified occur, uh, uh, by occurring during prosperous times, we have sufficiency in all circumstances, including maximum historical disaster. I don't know where this country is headed, but I know one thing. The God of Jeshurun is going to take care of his own. Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply, what? All your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we know that this is true because God's Veracity, which is part of his essence, and the essence box says that it has to be true. And it is. God will never run out of riches to support you. Hey, it's all his. He created it, the world and everything. Heaven. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. This was David. This is logistical grace blessings. Uh, to you, it actually can extend as far as the third generation. We call this blessing by association. David exploited God's grace beyond, way beyond nearly anyone else did. I don't know, maybe someone else did, but certainly required. And, and, and David sometimes was a what? A, yeah, stinker. I would say if you're guilty of adultery and murder and, well, a lot of other things, but God said, he's a man after my own heart. Why? Because David knew how to rebound. He knew how to exploit God's grace. He didn't beat himself up when he got crossways with God. He just went to the, do the faith rest. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That means the blessings are already there. God doesn't have to, uh-oh, he blew it again. I better conjure up some blessings. Oh, get, you get something going over here, cook it up and give it to him. Of course, God, there's no time with God. He's eternal. All these things, all the solution to your problems have already existed since eternity past. The problem is that people don't know that. And even sometimes when you know it, you just rather 
let's just have a big pity party. Let's have a big worry session. We, that's where we want to go because of our sin nature. Second Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to godliness, life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us to his own excellence. Did we have that a while ago? No. We sure didn't. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 sounds a lot like that, doesn't it? This was uh, 2 Peter 1, 2, 3, 4. Are y'all writing these down? Okay. I'm not just showing you these because I had to fill up the slide projector. That's not the way it works anyway anymore. It's different. Okay. I'm, listen, I'm out of time, and I've got one more, but look how long it is. Okay. Y'all want the address? I'll give you the address. Matthew 6, 24 through 34. You might need this before next week. Okay? Do we have a great God or what? Hmm? I mean, you can go home and you... We, we need to be thankful for, what, for God's plan in our life. And if you want to worry and fret and be all discombobulated and dismayed, well, have at it. God lets you do it. But it doesn't have to be that way. God wants to show you off whenever adversity hits and you start going to the essence box and you start depending on logistical grace and you start understanding the seven imputations of God's plan for your life and where He wants to take you. Then it glorifies Him. And you rise above the fray. But you can't do it in spiritual ignorance and you can't do it if you think you're coasting spiritually. We have to keep grinding. When I was in at Waltrip High School playing football, my coach used to say, I played on the line, by the way, and we would hear this in our sleep because it said it so many times. When you're on the line and you fire out and you hit the opposing player, you're to drive with your legs. And so when we were scrimmaging and they would snap the ball, this is what he would say. Hit, drive, 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 drive. Hit, drive, 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 drive. Hit, drive, 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 drive. And oh, we just, ugh. But you know what? When we got in the game and... There's thousands of people watching, and the, the moment was so tense. You know what, what will happen when the ball snapped? We hit drive, 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 drive with our legs. And you know what? We were winning. I mean, we were big-time winners. That's what we need to do with these mechanics, these basic skills with regards to the faith rest drill. We've been called a drill. Regards to the essence box, logistical grace, and the plan of God. We need to hit, drive, 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 drive. And the way you keep drive, 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 driving is to keep learning, 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 learning. Let's close. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you have provided everything for us. 
We thank you that Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died on that cross and paid for the sins of all mankind. He was buried and he was resurrected and now he offers eternal life to anyone who will trust him and him alone for it. And once a person does that, then they become a royal family member of God and they have logistical grace and they have blessings based on who and what you are. Their ticket to heaven is guaranteed. And we can go through life as Jeshurun, as mature believers, and you will take us to places we thought did not exist through your wonderful grace. And we pray that you will help us to utilize these things that we're learning so that we can be good and faithful servants. For we pray it all in Christ's most high and holy name.